Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show covering soccer in Atlanta, all over the country, all over the world, anywhere there's soccer. We're going to be talking about it on Atlanta soccer tonight, but we are always going to start with the latest from the five stripes. Atlanta United 1-1 draw on Saturday against Toronto. There's a lot of stuff to dig into in this one, and we've got a little extra time here in the opening segment this week, so we will take advantage to go maybe just a little bit deeper into this one than I kind of thought we'd have the time to. It's an interesting game. I mean, there's a lot of positives to take out of it. You come from behind and get a result. That's a good thing. You outshot, dominated the play, dominated the chance creation, all the stats are, are pointing towards Atlanta United in this one. Uh, I thought Toronto's uh, maybe willingness to give up their game plan early was a little surprising. It's not exactly what I'm used to when it comes to a Bob Bradley team. I think you have to give Atlanta United credit for that. And, and Bob Bradley did after the game. He talked about the pressure from Atlanta United causing Toronto a lot of problems. There was no space. And that's a credit to closing down that space. Let's go through chronologically here a little bit. And I've got some extra clips from the game. I typically don't do a ton of highlights from the game. I try to pull, you know, one, two, maybe three that weren't the goals, that were other moments uh, of the match from our radio broadcast that I thought were important. But like I said, we've got a little extra time tonight. So we're going to dig this a little bit deeper. And uh, the first clip you're going to hear is Andrew Gutman's chance in the 27th minute. The reason why it was important to me is it felt like in the first 26 minutes and some change up to this point that Atlanta United was maybe a little like stuck in their own heads about the whole shooting from distance thing. There were opportunities to shoot from distance. Good looks that they passed up to try to work the ball into the 18. And that's not easy to do. And it wasn't easy to do against Toronto. And they did a pretty good job of shutting that down. 
Miguel Barry had an early chance uh, from Caleb Wiley that he put into the side netting. You know, they were really focused on getting into the 18-yard box, which, look, it's not hard to figure out. The closer you are to goal, the better your chances are of scoring with a shot. I don't think that's a, I don't think we need XG to measure that. So you want to work the ball in as close as you can. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you have a look from outside, sometimes you have to take it. And with this team, with their ability to shoot from outside, you have to take it. Everything needs to be in balance. And I thought in this game it was. The first 26 minutes or so, I didn't. I, I felt like maybe Atlanta was passing up those opportunities. Andrew Gutman had a clean look, and in the 27th minute, he let it rip. Off the throw, Mark Anthony K gives it to Abara. Square to Almada, 30 yards away. Down the middle to Gutman. Shot from distance over the crossbar. I think he had Sean Johnson beat, but it goes over the crossbar and out for goal kick. I thought he had Sean Johnson beat, too. And I thought he had a good look, and he needed to take it. And, and that seemed to maybe loosen everybody up a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it just took that one of, oh, yeah, we can we can do that when the time comes. We, we might need to do that when the time comes. Because, look, when a team is packing in deeper from a defensive standpoint, you have to do things to create space. And, and movement is one. Moving the ball quickly is one. Moving the ball side to side, you know, moving it outside and then back inside. Moving the ball to create space is a big part of it. Speeding up, slowing down, changing tempo, big part of it. Also shooting from distance and showing that you're willing to do it and showing that you're willing to put a scare into the team. I thought Andrew Gutman did that. It opened things up a little bit more the rest of the first half. Atlanta earned a corner, and I thought this was a huge opportunity in the 30th minute. Atlanta United's first corner of the match. Almada descended out of the far corner. They attacked the goal to our right. That's different. Almada taking this rather than Lennon. Almada up to it, in swinger to the back post. Josette sends it to Robinson, who drives it over the crossbar and out for goal kick. I wondered when Almada went to take it if we were going to see something a little different, not not Olympico ideas or anything like that but just if they had worked something up i think we've seen already that this team has maybe uh gotten into their bag a little bit on the set piece opportunities you go back to the almada one from week one they, they've worked on a few things they've got a few different looks this one was intended specifically to do what happened it was a a ball from almada that was hit deep to the back post over everybody hosetsu was there for a reason. And the first touch from Mateus Hosechu to be able out of the air, didn't settle it and then pass it. He, he took it out of the air first time and gave Miles Robinson a good opportunity from about the corner of the six. Uh, it's with his feet, but I think Miles is capable of that. I thought it was a really good look and it's something that Hey, put that one in the back pocket, and maybe there is another opportunity down the line to go for that again. And I think you're going to get a better shot next time. You're going to get a shot on goal. You're going to test a goalkeeper. You might end up in the back of the net. Mateus Osetsu was not done. He had a couple of chances, not quite back-to-back, -back, but the first one in the 35th minute. Aruju stops 40 yards from goal. Square to a bar edge at center circle. They'll loop this over to Almana now on the left wing. Down the wing to Wiley. Left attacking third. Dribbling on Lorea. Here's his cross to the penalty spot right to Kay. Blocked down by Barry. His shot. Parried away and spilled by Johnson. It rolls to Lorea at the end line. Tries to clear and it's blocked by Wiley. 
Barry plays it back to Almada. Left attacking third, dribbles parallel to goal, shoots, and it's blocked by a teammate, Barry. And that will allow it to roll to Hedges, who can clear. Look at how many times Atlanta kept recycling possession there in that whole sequence of stuff. A lot of shots, some block shots, but winning the ball back. And that was a theme throughout the night. Here was the next chance for Mateus Hosechu in the 41st. Robinson up to the halfway line, sends it down the middle to Barry. Barry taps it back now to Hosechu, who pivots on the edge of center circle and finds Almada making a run down the left wing. Almada trotting into the attacking third, pitching it ahead now to Wiley along the far touchline. Good square ball to a wide open Hosechu. Shot! Parried away by Johnson in the center of the goal. It'll be out for a throw in the near touchline. That was a big save from Sean Johnson. Hosechu got into that one from outside the 18. I know, <gasps> bad, but it was a good look, and he forced a big save from Sean Johnson on that. Uh, Hosechu was feeling it in, in this game. Three shots, all on target, all two of them forcing a save. One of them, there was no save. It did take a couple deflections, but we'll get there. We're not quite there yet. The one of of all of the Atlanta opportunities that you want back, and I'm we're going to get into the offside decision here in a second. The 45th minute, I think it was it was in stoppage time in the first half. The Wano Parata look with his head that we are so used to, especially against Toronto, finding that one in the back of the net. This one did not end up in that place. Atlanta United second corner of the match coming up here. Lennon and Aruju both standing over the ball in the near corner. So you've got an in-swinger and an out-swinger here and a short option if you want to go that way. And it's going to be Lennon with the out-swinger. Header over the crossbar by Air Force One. Out for goal kick. Brilliantly delivered to Air Force One. Again, being in your bag when it comes to set pieces, there were a lot of opportunities here. Toronto was completely caught flat-footed. And it's a great delivery. Parata doesn't test the keeper with it. And I was shocked. I was already bracing for the goal call because I thought that was it. I thought that was going to be the goal into the first half. Then it's going to be a wonderful night at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It, it ended up being a pretty good night, but there was a lot of work to come. Uh, 47th minute, a shot that maybe gets kind of lost in the shuffle. And there's a lot of other things to this sequence that led to a Luis Araujo attempt. Abara giving it back to Parata at center spot again. Very patient here by Atlanta United. Now here's Robinson coming forward down the right wing, pitching ahead to Lennon. Petretta again knocks that away to the touchline, but it'll be dug away by Araujo, who slaloms and then gives it to Almada, 20 yards from goal. Into the box for Araujo. Shot diving save, Johnson, who falls over it. You saw in that sequence that, that Miles Robinson won the, the long ball from him. Uh, week one was great. This one didn't connect, but that's okay. When Atlanta is doing what they did defensively in this game, especially early in halves, they're, they're really up for it. You can win the ball back. And, and sometimes, look, you got to mix that in to throw a team off. Play it long, knowing it's a lower percentage ball, and just fight to win it back. And they did. And the little one-two from Almada and Adarujo, Excellent, really well done. Good look for Luis, who I thought was fairly quiet in the game in terms of the offensive side. I thought he worked very hard, but he wasn't just in sync. He wasn't in rhythm, it felt like. Just one of those days where it wasn't clicking for him. It wasn't clicking soon after that. I thought Atlanta United started the second half really well. They get beat one time where that was the 47th. 
couple more minutes uh, of causing turnovers, creating havoc, looking for opportunities. Toronto couldn't do anything. And there was a ball played all the way back to Johnson. And it seemed like Atlanta got a little overextended in terms of stepping out to try to press and maybe being a little too aggressive. That gave space. And Michael Bradley plays it down to Bernardeschi. It's a good ball from Bradley. It's a great overlapping run from Richie Larea to really kind of freeze Andrew Gutman. He couldn't commit either way. He got caught in between. Bernardeschi takes advantage. It's a really nice goal for Toronto against the run of play. The response from Atlanta, very, very good. Mateus Hosechu made it 1-1. It's 1-0 Toronto in the 60th minute. Robinson exchanging with Arugula on the right wing. Pass back to center spot now to Parata. Robinson, great ball, threaded through to Lennon. Far corner, here comes the cross. Tretien, knocked down to the penalty spot. Here's Almada, can't get a shot. Back to Hosechu, shot, score! Mateus Hosechu equalizes for Atlanta United, and we are level with a half hour to play. Assist from Almada. It's great work from him in trying to find his own shot. It wasn't on, and he lays it off to Hosechu. Yes, it takes two deflections. I think the first one was possibly going to take it wide. The second deflection actually brought it back on its original course. Sean Johnson has no idea what to do. He can't get to it, and it's 1-1. You got to make your own luck sometimes. Atlanta United did. Felt like they were in the ascendancy. You start to see Yorgos Yakamakis, Derek Etienne really getting involved. Derek Etienne had a penalty shout. Yorgos Yakimakis had a ball in the back of the net that was brought back, and this is what it sounded like. It's going to be Lennon with an outswinger to the penalty spot, headed and popped up in the air. Edge of the six, Hedges clears. Out to Almada. Top of the arc, cuts back to the left. Almada back to the right, loops it to the back post. Header off the post, and it's scored by Yorgos Yakimakis. Offside. Flag comes up for offside. I love that call so, so much from Mike Conti because, it, I mean, one, you're so excited because, I mean, it's storybook, right? It, it's Yorgos in his debut scoring the go-ahead goal and all in the same tone, the the offside because the flag went up very, very quickly as it should have at that time. Let me talk about a couple of things in that sequence that I want to first. The the work from Tiago Almada was ridiculous, just just ridiculous to keep cutting and finding that space the ball from him over the top curled in to Parata absurd Tiago Almada is just a cheat code at this point it's ridiculous and if you're playing against him you probably are saying some things that can't be said on the radio about having to deal with him it's just he's that good the ball to Parata I mean puts it off the post it's it's a good header He, he just barely missed it the, the sequence from Yakimakis, and we'll get back to the Parata stuff in one second on the offside. If you go back and watch that, that playback, Yorgos Yakimakis is trying to like check back to Almada at, at around the top. of the, He's around 15, 16 yards away from goal when Almada plays the cross in. He turns, he sees where the, the ball is going, and he sees Parata, and he charges through, beats Matt Hedges to the spot, is the first one to react out of everybody inside the 18 outside of Parata, and he puts himself in that position to slam home the rebound. That's incredible instinct. That's that hunger for goals that Yakimakis talks about. 
that should make you feel really, really good. All right, the actual decision. Um, I, I've seen a lot of uh, outrage about it. I don't think that's fair. And if you guys have ever listened to us on calls and, and heard me talk about referees, I will say what I think about referees, but I also will will give them props when they need to have props given. And in this case, it's a 50-50 call. You don't have the lines that are drawn in England with the Hawkeye system because MLS opted not to go to that degree of it. And a lot of people hate it in England. So, I mean, I don't know. We'd probably be complaining about it if if you were a Toronto fan and you looked at this and, and Parata is whatever percentage of a centimeter on side and it's given because of that you'd be saying oh now we're giving you know on we're giving goals because of toenails and that's why he's on side that kind of stuff and it's the other way around if if it if it costs you it was that close of a call the idea that it was a blatantly missed call is 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 blatantly incorrect i'm sorry there's just no way around that because nobody has an angle that is definitive the TV angles that we saw in the broadcast are from an angle. Do I think he was on? Yeah, I do. I, I think it was really close, but I think his shoulder is on, and I, I think Rosted's back foot puts him on. I don't think they. I don't think Toronto timed stepping out fast enough, and I think Parata held it enough. But I'm guessing, and so is anybody who has an opinion about this. The AR did what they're supposed to. I think there's also been a, a completely false story about it in that they can't put their flag up or they're quick to put their flag up. The play was done. The ball's in the back of the net. There's a goal. You have to put the flag up if you think it's offside. And the AR thought it was offside. And again, it, it's it's a bang-bang decision. Um, I've seen talk about the AR's positioning. For, without having that camera down the line, I don't know if they're directly on the line. I don't know if they're half a foot off one way or the other. I, I'm not 100% sure of that, so I can't say that, and I'm not going to. It was a very close call, an extremely close call. Of course, Atlanta United fans wish that had ended up in the back of the net and had counted. It didn't. To say that it's a bad call? No. Even if it's wrong, even if, if you can do the geometry or there's some other camera angle that they didn't have at that time that we can dig up or whatever. And you can see, I don't think you can call that a bad call. It's that close. And the directives from back in the day about if it's close, give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. Those don't apply anymore because we have an extra layer of decision-making when it comes to video assistant referees. I will tell you when I think a referee got it wrong, in this case, I purely don't know if they got it right or wrong, and there's nothing definitive to say that the referee cost Atlanta the game. I think the bigger shout is honestly on the Derek Etienne situation, which could have been a penalty. Etienne felt like it was a penalty. You heard him on the full-time report. I didn't think it was live, but then the video replay, I can see the the, the conversation. I can see the shout for that. It would have been harsh. It would have been a harsh penalty, but could you have given it? Yeah, you could have given it. I think that was more of a, okay, I can see that, than the offside, which I, I purely don't know. I, I honestly just do not know it was that close. So there were a couple more sequences after that. And one, that, that there's two that I wanted to play for you that were really good opportunities late. Andrew Gutman with maybe the best chance of the second half. Parante inside center circle. Down the middle, a good ball to Almada. Almada 
Bouncing it ahead to Araujo on the left wing. His cross, Goodman shot, save by Johnson, point blank. Cleared by Hedges out to Bernardeski. Etienne wide created the space for Gutman to come inside. He comes in with a quick first-time shot. Incredible save from Johnson. And then Johnson was at it again a couple minutes later. Lennon playing short to Etienne in the near corner. Neither team in shape. Here's Lennon. Left corner of the 18. Sends it to the penalty spot. Shot diving save by Johnson. Out into the far corner. The attack continues. One of those kinds of nights when you have a goal called back because of offside that's really close. You have big saves from Sean Johnson. He made a big play on a cross as well. It was a frustrating night, but there are positives to take out of it. We'll talk about those when we come back in five minutes, but we will also hear from an old friend of the show, a familiar voice on Atlanta soccer tonight. We'll be back as we prepare for Atlanta United's trip up I-85 on Saturday. AST's right back on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. To more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, kicking it on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Let's put a bow on Atlanta United and Toronto FC. I really like the the flow that we're getting into now. They're going into Week Three of the season and getting into this routine with with games, and then Atlanta Soccer Tonight on Mondays and stoppage time on Wednesdays on the on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page and on Twitch and then Friday with March to Match Day like it it's it's building and, and this is the cleansing moment of the week for me where we can put the last game to bed was it perfect no and Gonzalo Pineda talked about it afterwards was it pretty good I mean he said close to perfect it, it was pretty good 
It was pretty good. Um, you needed another goal out of it, obviously. You needed the first goal. That's the number one thing. Two times, two games, two first goals conceded. Look, the fight's been great. You've come back to get four points after falling behind in both of those games. That's a good return in coming from behind. It's just not easy to do. It's not a life you want to live, though. It's exhausting. It takes a lot out of you over time. Get the first goal. Life is so much easier. That has to to change. I thought they started well. You know, eight shots in the first half, uh, one for Toronto. You know, they, they were there. It was Maybe the quality of the, the chances could have been a little bit better. Toronto was also on the field. They made life difficult. I thought Petretta was really good for them. I really like him at left back. Um, that's a good signing. I'm not quite as sold on Rosted. Uh, Hedges, I, I think, can fit with the right partner. I don't know if that is the right duo. Sean Johnson, Sean Johnson, he's a great goalkeeper. Toronto's better defensively than they've been, but they've not been really all that great in these first two games uh, in general. They blew a 2-1 lead in D.C., and then they didn't really look like they wanted to play very much against Atlanta. Atlanta made them want to not play very much because of that pressure, but still. Toronto was talked about by some of the uh, the experts as a team that could win the East. They haven't shown that yet. Is Atlanta a team that can win the East? Not if you fall behind in every game. It's just it's a fact. Uh, but if you can come back and win games, then, yeah, you do have that fight. So jury's still out. Bigger reason why the jury's still out? You have a week now, the first week, the first week of 2023 that you will have for an entire week of training. Derek Etienne, Tiago Almada, Luis Arrujo, and Yorgos Yakamakis together on the training pitch for the week preparing for a match. Hasn't happened yet in 2023. That group needs time. Uh, I thought you saw some really good flashes. Uh, I thought, you know, Etienne gets better and better every time. The the dribbling run was great. That's a nice element to add from his game that, that gives them, I think, something a little bit different. But his dribbling's different than Luis Adarujo. Etienne's a little more north-south. It gets in behind. I just, I think the compliment is really good, but they've got to build that chemistry. And they, they've got to start on the training pitch this week. And then hopefully... They will all be able to play significant minutes together in Charlotte. Will Yakamakis be able to start? If I had to call it right now on Monday evening, I would say yes. Uh, I think the the reason why he was more limited in minutes on Saturday was because he traveled back with his visa to be able to work. He traveled back on Thursday night. He got the visa. he, He got on a plane. He got here as fast as he could. Got here Thursday night. He trained Friday. Friday's a light session anyway. And then he played. He wasn't maybe soccer sharp, ready to go. Is he fit? Yeah, I think he's pretty fit. I'm not I'm not too worried about the fitness. The sharpness, it's going to take a little time. But can he get you 60 minutes? I think he can. Can Derek Etienne get you 60 minutes? It's a little harder to judge, but he's got to be close. He's got to be really close. So if they can start in Charlotte, what a productive week it would be if that can happen. A couple other elements from this game that I want to touch on before we go. Um, The defending all over the field, very, very good. I thought it was good in week one. I know that was a storyline after that game. Uh, I didn't think it was fair. It it can't be a storyline here, and it hasn't been. They were very good all over the field. Ibarra, 10 defensive actions. He was a monster. 
two big tackles and big moments on Federico Bernardeschi, which is not easy to do. Every starter but Miguel Barry completed a defensive action, either a tackle or an interception. And Barry was good defensively. He worked hard. So excellent. Excellent, especially the high press, especially trying to win the ball back. They were very successful in that. They did it multiple times. Miles Robinson made a run forward on one, lost the ball, won the tackle, got the ball back on that first opportunity for Miguel Berry. I think Caleb Wiley wins the ball back. And one of the clips we played in the first segment, Caleb Wiley wins the ball back. Wiley was really good again. So that left wing, Etienne was brought here to start. Caleb Wiley is also involved in this decision, and he is making life very difficult for Gonzalo Pineda, as is Franco Ibarra. Good competition in the squad. Very good competition. Uh, touches inside the 18 for the striker. There were only two in week one. There were six this time. Four from Barry, two from Yakimakis. Better. I thought the presence of Yakimakis definitely showed they were trying to feed him. They were trying to find him. You saw flashes. Need to see more than that, but they also need time to build that. So that's my take on Atlanta and Toronto. Let's start talking about Charlotte. And when it comes to Charlotte, we start talking about Charlotte. Hey, we know who to call. Not the Ghostbusters. It's Jessica Charman. You remember her from our time during the World Cup on Atlanta soccer tonight. Well, Jess is the radio analyst for Charlotte FC. And my first question to her when I talked to her this afternoon was just where is Charlotte in their current season? They haven't won a match yet. They haven't drawn a match yet. But where are they, especially, you know, trying to get into a normal routine after the preseason that they had? with the tragic passing of Anton Walks. As you allude to, obviously, the tragic passing of Anton Walks that bothers, you know, that has affected both Atlanta United and Charlotte FC in its own way. It's hard to not think about that as a contributing factor. There's a lot of people on the outside that have talked about how this should be motivating and how this should be the fire in your belly that's going to help you perform. But you can't think of it always as being 100% positive. Of course, it's going to affect these players in a different way. It's affected me as a broadcaster. Every time I call a game, it feels very strange to not be talking about Anton on the field. And I didn't even know him as personally as these players who went to work with him every single day that went out with their kids and all of these things. So I think that we would be fools not to think that maybe it's affecting the players in a way that isn't 100% positive in terms of the result because how can you not have it on your mind so that's obviously been tough but that's not the only reason we're struggling of course I think that we just haven't quite been able to gel together the new additions to this squad as quickly as maybe we would like when you look back to New England Revolution you've done fairly well and you go one nil down at the end of a game where maybe a lapse of concentration and not going the whole 90 minutes has been your issue and then against St. Louis again you are one nil up and you've had some really bright moments in the game and you've had an amazing goal from Enzo Capetti who's opened his account and then you've had three individual errors in an own goal in a penalty that you shouldn't be given away and then finally in a St. Louis trademark goal it appears to have become where the defender passes it straight to their forward so it's a tough pill to swallow it's been a very difficult first two games and I think now maybe you come into this Atlanta game with a different feeling than maybe you expected that you were going to come into after seeing your first two games of the season and maybe expecting those to be better results than they have been Jess mentioned new additions and trying to get everything into a, a flow, into a rhythm. Atlanta's dealing with this. Charlotte's dealing with this. 
Let's talk about Ashley Westwood, one of the big additions, former central midfielder for Burnley, tons of Premier League experience. Here's what Jess said that Westwood brings to the squad. I mean, he is the real deal. You know, when you see a guy come in and 300 plus Premier League appearances during his career, you've got big expectations of him. But also we were well aware that he was coming off a severe ankle injury, which kept him out an entire year. There's not many injuries, bar an ACL, that you think of keeping you out of play that much. And we've had experience, right, of players that maybe come back from ACLs and aren't the same player. So I think there was some nervousness in me that I wanted to watch him play before I really thought, okay, wow, what an addition he is. And I think Ashley Westwood is the real deal in his vision on the game, in his passing, in his ability to transition the ball, in that sort of mean streak that he has that you need in MLS. And I think what's really impressive about Westwood is he's come in and he's instantly been given the captain's armband. That just shows you the presence he is in the locker room, the leader that he is, and just the way that he's able to motivate these boys. It's been a tough start for him, obviously. He hasn't contributed maybe as much as he would like, but he can definitely be dangerous on set pieces. And I think he's a player that Atlanta United are going to have to watch in that midfield because if Charlotte FC is playing well, Ashley Westwood is pulling those strings in the midfield. The other addition got more headlines. Uh, Enzo Capetti, he arrives in Charlotte trying to build on a great year with Rossing in Argentina. I, I asked Jess what she's seen out of him so far. Yeah, I mean, he's an absolute monster. And you can tell he wears his heart on his sleeve. He wants to play well. The passion is there. You know, when you hear that you've got an Argentine on the team, what do you expect? You expect loving the game more than anything, expecting that passion, expecting a little bit of that hot-headedness. And he gives you all of those things. I think he didn't make too many friends in St. Louis, but no, you can didn't. tell he's the sort of player that thrives off of that energy. You know, I think the goal epitomizes what you're expecting from Enzo Capetti. If you watch his off-the-ball movement, his drive, his sprint to get into the box and then throwing his body to get that header, it was fantastic. The one thing I will say about Capetti is he's still adjusting to MLS. He's starting to learn the officiating and how it's different. He's also been very vocal about turf and how that is very new to him. He's never played on turf before and he's getting used to the way it bounces, the speed of the ball. So hopefully... He's going to be up to speed in this Atlanta game because I think he struggled a little bit against New England Revolution. I think we saw more of his potential against St. Louis, but he has yet to show us the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think that the future is very bright for Enzo Capetti, but he's a player that can really hurt you when he's on form. You can catch the whole conversation with Jess on the Off the Woodwork podcast. Check that out. Make sure you subscribe. You can get this show if you can't join me live. Some quick news from around MLS before we go to break. Uh, the the Charlotte game was in St. Louis. What an opening home match for them. Sold out crowd. I think the stadium, they built it too small, to be perfectly honest. With that win, they're the fourth expansion team in MLS history to win both of their first two games. Uh, three previous teams that did it. 2018 LAFC, 2009 Seattle, 98 Chicago. They all got to the playoffs in their first year. St. Louis so far is looking like a playoff team. Columbus, Lucas Zellerion is the player of the match day presented by Continental Tire. He had a first half brace. Columbus gets the 2-0 win over D.C. D.C. did not look all that great. Columbus did look a lot better than they did in, in game one. Philadelphia beat Columbus in week one. Were they looking ahead to CONCACAF Champions League? Is Miami just better than we thought? Back-to-back 2-0 wins for Inter-Miami, this time over the defending Eastern Conference champs, Philly. Robert Taylor's goal, if you haven't seen it, it is one of the best you will see. Off the chest, full volley, good grief. Rapids goalkeeper William Yarbrough, 11 saves. First goalkeeper in Colorado history 
to produce 11 saves in a shutout and the 11 saves the most since a color for a Colorado goalkeeper since 2001, Scott Garlic, an MLS legend from back in the day, man, Yarbrough did everything he could for Colorado in that one. All right. Three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. The three, four, three is up next in five minutes on 92, nine, the game and the Odyssey app. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 343. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Welcome back. Final segment Atlanta Soccer Tonight on March 6th. The 343. Three local stories, four world stories, three things that make you smile. Let's get into this. Three local stories. Let's start there. Brookwood High School star Selma Ferris has been called up to represent the U-17 Bosnian national team. Awesome accolade for Selma. That's just awesome to see. We're seeing more local high schoolers get called up to youth national teams on both the boys and the girls' side right now. It's happening all over the state. Brookwood's one of the top teams in the state as well. A team to watch for sure, and Selma is a player to watch going to the U-17 Bosnia national team. If you haven't heard, Rockdale Youth Soccer Association, one of the oldest clubs in the metro Atlanta area, more than 50 years old. It was 1973 that they started. They were just purchased. A $5 million investment came through. Now they're part of the Dutch Lions organization. Um, If you've ever played in metro atlanta as a kid or as an adult you've probably been to risa down in conyers uh the soccer plex on old salem road one of the first complexes in the metro atlanta area 
the RISA board, the, the RISA organization, they had some debt on the books. This deal clears all of that. It's, there's going to be an additional investment of $5 million in upgrading facilities and training coaches and just infrastructure. I think they're going to tear down and replace the indoor facility down there. So lots of stuff going with this. It also includes the USL League Two team, East Atlanta Football Club, that will now, uh, I think, be known as East Atlanta Dutch Lions. Um, the Dutch Lions organization does, it has clubs all around. There's lots of, of coaches training that's involved. Lots of opportunities for players as well. So I'm really intrigued to see where this goes. Risa had kind of gotten, I don't want to say stale, but where they are and the, the age of the facility, they needed investment. They needed investment to keep up with all of the other clubs in the metro area. So this is a really interesting move. We'll just have to keep an eye on it and see how it goes. But a uh, big deal in the youth soccer side that will affect the adult soccer side as well. Um, very intriguing to see where this goes. Number three on the local side, Georgia Impact up in Canton. They're going to be playing in the WPSL this summer. Atlanta Fire is going to have a team in the WPSL. Seven other teams from around the Southeast. It's a summer amateur league. Current college players, other amateurs can play for local clubs during the summer when they're out of school. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things come together. I think we're going to be doing a few things on my end and from soccer down here's end with Georgia Impact. It's going to be pretty sweet. They announced their first two signings. Uh, and they both have local ties. Santana Presley who's playing at Louisiana Monroe, former star at Sprayberry High School, first announced signing last week. And then uh, the second one is Maria Howell, who just finished up her eligibility at Georgia State. Howell's a really talented midfielder, and Presley's a player that I remember from her time at Sprayberry. Two really good signings, local ties. Uh, Howell is a Campbell grad, so love the local connections. Can't wait to see what happens with Georgia Impact. And stay tuned to their social media and to mine because uh, we'll be we'll be working with them this summer. And I'm looking forward to seeing them play. I think they're going to be at Cherokee High School in Canton. So uh, schedule should be coming out soon. Go ahead and block off some dates. Four headlines from around the world. Liverpool, seven, seven. Manchester United didn't see this coming. Nobody saw this coming. Uh, Eric Ten Hag said his players were unprofessional in an unacceptable performance. Yep, that's true. Um, he said that he was surprised. He hadn't seen this kind of attitude from them. He said the second half, they didn't stick to the plan. They didn't do their jobs. They didn't track back. He said it was unprofessional. Um, he said that he expects them to bounce back. He said this is definitely a strong setback. It's unacceptable. Really disappointed. He was angry about it. It's a reality check. Jurgen Klopp obviously was thrilled. Um, he said it was perfect. Uh, yes, that would be perfection. Um, there was a, a really dumb comment from Glenn Hoddle that seemed to point that, well, Manchester United had a lot of uh, continental and South American players, and that was why that they didn't do well in the second half when the game was getting out of hand, which is an uh, interesting statement to make. Um, I thoroughly disagree with it. I think that's what borderline ridiculous and he probably should just stop talking uh the other person who should stop talking or running onto the field is the pitch invader who almost injured andy robertson this was a liverpool fan ran onto the field to try to celebrate the seventh goal he slips he wrecks robertson almost hurt his ankle they're trying to find this person and ban them for life from anfield 
good. Don't run on the field, even if it's to celebrate with your team. Don't be stupid. That was stupid. He almost hurt his own player. Jeez. Almost put Andy Roberts in the same situation that Neymar's in. Neymar is out for the rest of the season due to an ankle injury. And this is a legit injury. This is not the usual Neymar's going to Carnival or I think it's his birth, his sister's birthday or his mother's birthday or something. He always seems to get injured around this time and go back to Brazil. He's legit injured. If you saw the injury that happened a few weeks ago, ugh, I don't like to see ankles bend that way. It makes me sick to my stomach. Um, he's going to have to have surgery to repair the ankle ligaments. Uh, he's going to be out for at least three months. That was announced today. 13 goals, 11 assists this season. Hasn't played since the 4-3 win over Lille last month. He's missed two games. Uh, PSG said in a statement, Neymar Jr. has had several episodes of instability in his right ankle in recent years. That was the ankle he hurt at the World Cup, for example. And that's the ankle that has maybe been turned to silly putty um, with tackles over the last few years and slips and falls and and rolls and sprains and ugh. Uh, they said that following the last sprain from February 20th, they recommended a ligament repair operation to avoid a major risk of recurrence. Uh, all the experts have confirmed it. So a three to four month delay is expected before he can return to training. So he's out the rest of the year. Really bad timing for PSG because Champions League is back on our number three world headline. Second leg of the round to 16 for half of that round. PSG without Neymar. They're trailing 1-0. They have to go to Germany on Wednesday to face Bayern Munich to try to turn this around. They do have Kylian Mbappe fully fit. Basadi Amane is back on the other side as well. PSG have won three straight since they lost to Bayern. Mbappe has been the catalyst in that. He scored four of their seven goals in their first two big league wins in those three. And then he scored an injury time goal against Nantes on Saturday. Takes him to 201 for PSG more than any player in the club's history. He's going to have to go full beast mode in this to turn it. But if PSG's too wide open, Sadio Mane can kill him going the other way. So that's going to be a game to watch on Wednesday. The other game on Wednesday, Milan. They go to London. Milan has a 1-0 lead from the first leg. Tottenham is going to try to overturn that. Now, Tottenham's won their last three at home, and they haven't conceded a goal in any of them. But Milan has kind of tweaked things here lately. League's out of reach for them. This is it. This is their season, the Champions League. And they've went a little conservative, the line of five defensively. It's going to make it difficult for Tottenham. I think Milan will go through. I think, but I'm not 100% convinced of that. Tottenham will have everything at home to play for. Can they overturn this and get to the next round? I don't think it's going to be an exciting game in terms of attacking. I think it's going to be an exciting game in terms of drama. But that PSG Bayern game could be nuts. That's Wednesday. Tuesday, Benfica. They're in the best position. They got a 2-0 lead. They're hosting Club Bruges of Portugal. So they won 2-0 on the road. They dominated that game. wasn't even close. Benfica has only lost twice in all competitions this season. They haven't lost at home in 10 months. Of the 45 teams to have lost the first leg of a Champions League knockout tie by two or more goals in front of their own fans, 45 times, one turned it around. One, Manchester United, when they came back to beat PSG four years ago. And that was on the away goals rule, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, Club Bruges, see ya. The other game on Tuesday, Chelsea trailing 1-0 from the first leg. 
They do host the second leg. They host Borussia Dortmund at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea has five goals since the start of the calendar year. It's March 6th. That's January 1st. 149 attempts. Five goals. Expected goal underperformance of 10.1. I've never seen a team have the finishing issues that Chelsea's having. And then, you know, they're facing Borussia Dortmund, who's won 10 straight in all competitions. If you're looking for something for Chelsea fans to, to feel good about, Dortmund has not won a match in England since 2013. Now, they don't have to win this. A draw, they go through. Uh, but Chelsea's got to score, right? I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Can they score? Five out of 149. It doesn't look good. Uh, the UEFA Champions League is not the only Champions League this week. CONCACAF Champions League is back. CONCACAF Champions, CONCACAF Fever, all of the good stuff. Uh, Tuesday, three games. Austin makes their debut. Orlando makes their debut. They'll both be on the road. Austin is in uh, Haiti, or not in Haiti, but they're facing a Haitian team. It's not going to be in Haiti. Uh, Violette AC, and that'll be the first match of the night. Orlando, ooh, you talk about a bad draw. <laughs> Orlando has to go face Tigres. Tigres in Mexico has only lost one game since October. That was on February 25th to Chivas. Uh, they, you know, the, Genyak is a beast. Uh, they signed Nicolas Ibanez from Pachuca, who is also a beast. And then it's been Fernando Gorriaran, who has been the guy. <laughs> the other guys have been good. Uh, they've combined for 10 league goals, Genyak and Ibanez, but Gorriaran has been the guy as of late. Oh, Orlando, that's going to be a tough one for you. Philadelphia, they're also in action on Tuesday. They are in El Salvador to face Alianza. Hmm. Alianza is a scrappy one. They're unbeaten in Salvadoran play this season. They've won five of their nine games to, to, to date. They, they need to win this. This is where MLS teams, you go on the road, a draw is fine. A, a draw is actually great. A win is amazing, but a close loss is okay. Go back, flashback to 2019 and the conversation we had about the Atlanta United game in Monterrey. If you get out of that at 1 0, well, it was 1 0 here. And then, yes, you can do the math. 2 0, it's going to be tighter. That third goal is really what killed it and put it out of reach. Got to keep it tight. Now, the flip side, when Tigres, different conversation. Tigres needs to win big, they need to take care of business. Violette, uh, Alianza. They need to win. They need to win and then hold on for dear life in the second leg. They need to win by multiple goals. Can Alianza do that? Mm. They've been really good defensively. They've only conceded two goals in 810 minutes, but they haven't scored a ton. Uh, Michel Mercado and Marvin Monterosa are the guys. Uh, seven league goals between the two of them. They got to score. Alianza needs to win by a couple to have a chance to advance. Philly should take care of it, but man, that's going to be a street fight. Wednesday, Vancouver hosts Real España. Vancouver's been in the tournament before. Real España is not having a good year. This should be really comfortable for Vancouver. LAFC will close things out. They travel to Costa Rica to face a team that we remember here in Atlanta, Alawalense. Um, Alawalense is really good this year. They lead the Costa Rican League by five points over Saprissa. They've only lost once since late October. Uh, Johan Venegas, who's played in MLS, he's got 11 goals in 11 games. Celso Borges, tons of experience for the national team. 
and in league play. This is a good Alawalense team. Should LAFC win? Yes. Should they advance? Yes. Can they do that even if they lose on the road? Yes. They need to keep it close. They need to be smart. They need to not get caught up in nonsense. They should be able to handle it. They should. The other games uh, not involving MLS teams, Tauro and Leon of Mexico. That's on Wednesday. Olympia and Atlas. That could be a little interesting. Olympia's having a good year. That's Wednesday. Motagua and Pachuca. Pachuca should roll in that. That is Thursday. All right, three things that make me smile about the game. Number one, St. Louis. Just being in the league. It's time. St. Louis is one of the many cities that can stake a claim to being Soccer City USA. Uh, First game of soccer played in St. Louis was in the 1880s. This was where the national teams of the 40s and 50s, that's where all the players played. That's where they were from. Tons of pros have come from St. Louis over the years. They've never had the right ownership to have good high-level professional soccer. I mean, you can even go back to the APSL days, the A-League days, the USL days. It's been a struggle for them. They got the right ownership. They have a wonderful stadium. They should have made it bigger. Great atmosphere. Amazing debut for them. Number two on things that make you smile. You got to go look this up if you didn't see it. Um, Boca Juniors, they won the Argentine Super Cup last week. Nicholas Figal used to play for Miami. He's with Boca now. Frank Fabra, the Colombian left back. So they're interviewing Fabra. Figal is just sitting uh, in the bench area. And Fabra's son, who's maybe five, six years old, and Figal's daughter walk by holding hands. They're both like five, six years old. And Fabra, they ask him about it. Fabra's like, yeah, my son really likes Figal's daughter, but he's not happy about it. And they cut to Figal. And the look on his face is just the funniest thing ever. It just makes you remember that these guys are human beings. You know, they're they're just regular people who are amazing soccer players and do amazing things in front of us. But that was that cracked me up this week. Number three on things that make me smile as we wrap up, Haiti qualifying for the Women's World Cup. I hadn't touched on this yet. 55th ranked in the world. They got through the qualifying playoff tournament in New Zealand. They beat Senegal. They beat Chile. They get through. This is a country that has had incredible struggles um, politically, incredible struggles, uh, crime, gang violence, natural disasters, everything you can imagine has happened to this country. There's a resurgence of cholera going on right now. And these women have qualified for the Women's World Cup. It, it is an amazing story. I cannot wait to root for Haiti at the World Cup. They're going to be in a group with England, China, and Denmark. It will be very difficult. They do have an amazing young player as well, though. You have to watch this team. That's what I love about the Women's World Cup. It's what I love about any World Cup. But this Women's World Cup, Haiti will be an amazing, amazing story. Can't wait to see it. We're going to have a ton of Women's World Cup coverage for you this summer. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. All right, coming up uh, this week, Mike Conti and I will be back. Stoppage time Wednesday, 2 p.m., 92.9 The Game Facebook page. March to Match Day will post on the Off the Woodwork podcast and the 92.9 The Game YouTube page on Friday. And we'll be on the air at 11.30 on Saturday, a.m., a.m. in Charlotte. Kickoff will be after 12 noon. You can watch on Fox 5. You can watch on MLS Season Pass. You can listen to us on on 92.9 The Game. Big game. I-85 rivalry that doesn't have a name yet. Can't wait. We'll be back on Atlanta Soccer tonight next Monday to talk about it. Thanks for hanging out with me. Adios, everybody.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.